Well, good morning. My name is Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here. And today is All Saints Sunday. Today, when we remember all the faithful who have died, the people that we call saints. But just to be clear, all Christians are called saints in the words of the New Testament. So I am a saint. David Gagnon is a saint. Bruce Weaver is a saint. Lucia Benning is a saint. Asher Hamlin is a saint. But over time, I don't know why we're laughing about that. It's true. (laughs) Over time, the church also began to use the word saint to describe certain people who lived these lives of extraordinary holiness, of a special kind of intimacy and connection to God. People who were just really, really hardcore in their commitment to the Christian faith, who really dared to take Jesus at his word and to live like it's all true. And those are the people that All Saints Sunday is meant to commemorate. But here at Incarnation, we have always used this day to remember everyone who has died in the past year and to light candles for anyone that we would like to remember, not only those that we call saints, but anyone who's dear to us, any of our losses. Because All Saints also provides us this annual opportunity to remember the dead and to remember that we will die too. And I love the way Becky Keller wrote about this in her blog about Halloween a couple weeks ago. I invite you to read it if you haven't yet. But she wrote, as the leaves change and fall, as the trees die their little deaths, as the calendar ticks off the final months of the dying year, I am frequently reminded of my own mortality and the inevitability of death. Existence is incredibly fragile. It is a good thing to be reminded of this. So every year on All Saints Sunday, we are reminded of this. We remember the dead. We grieve death itself. We acknowledge our own mortality, and we give thanks for the faithful lives of the saints. And so most years on All Saints, I preach about death. I went back, I have four sermons on that. But this year's gospel reading took me in a really different direction because today's text from Matthew is not about death. It's actually about life. It's Jesus telling his disciples about the good life, the blessed life, the life with God that they and we were made for. In other words, the saintly life. Today's reading comes from the opening lines of Matthew chapter 5, what we normally call the Sermon on the Mount. And up until now in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has been going around telling people that the kingdom of God has come. It's here. It's breaking into this world. But now Jesus takes his disciples up into the hills. He sits them down, and he starts to explain what life in that kingdom is all about. He says, listen up, friends. Here is how to be a saint. And he starts with this series of blesseds. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, and so on. And that word blessed, I don't know why we pronounce it like that instead of blessed, only here. But that word is a good example of the limits of our English translation sometimes. Because blessed or blessed, as we use it here, it's not the same word in the Greek as when Jesus, for example, blessed bread, or when he blessed children. 
It's not the same word as all the Old Testament blessings of kings and offsprings and priests and creation itself. This word blessed isn't a heavy theological one. It's not describing something spiritual that God is doing. Instead, this word that gets translated blessed here is just trying to describe a state of being that is good, that is blessed. Another way of translating it, and some versions of scripture do this, say happy or fortunate. Happy are the poor in spirit. Fortunate are the poor in spirit. Or good for you, congratulations when you're poor in spirit. None of those quite work for different reasons. We can see why they landed on blessed, but we also don't quite have the right word for this. Jesus is laying out a picture of the good life for those who have chosen to follow him. He's saying, when you find yourself in these circumstances, when you are walking this path and living in this way, you are living a good life in my kingdom. You are blessed. The problem with that, of course, is that it sounds ridiculous because mourning and being persecuted and being poor in spirit and hungering and thirsting Those don't sound like the good life. Jesus is doing what he loves to do. He's taking all of our assumptions and expectations and hopes for how life works and what life should look like, and he's turning them upside down. It's kind of his thing. But Jesus can say all of these upside down things are good and blessed because of the second half of all those blessed statements. Because the second halves all contain a rich promise of God's presence and his goodness. These blessed people will receive God's comfort. They will inherit the earth. They will be satisfied. They will receive mercy. They will see God. They will be called children of God. The kingdom of heaven is theirs and their reward in it is great. A good life, a blessed and happy and fortunate life what we could call a saintly life, is a life that finds all its meaning, all of its goodness in God's kingdom, in God's presence, God's abundance, in God himself. But we notice that this saintly life isn't about avoiding hard things in the world. Jesus' teaching here assumes that the world is really broken, that we live in a world that does impoverish our spirits, a world where unrighteousness, injustice is everywhere, a world of pain and loss and grief and mourning, a world of persecution, a world of warfare and violence and betrayal and lies. And the saintly life isn't about cloistering ourselves off away from those things so that they never touch us and we never get hurt and we never get messy. The saintly life is about actually stepping toward them, stepping into them, just as God stepped toward our mess and our hurt in the person of Jesus. The saintly life steps into the world, but it resists all its false promises, all of its corrosive powers. The saintly life refuses to live by the rules of a broken world and refuses to look for goodness and meaning there. It's about locating our whole life and the source of all goodness and all our hopes and all our wants and all our deepest longings in God and his kingdom. It sounds so hardcore. 
And it makes us wonder, can we really live like this? But I'm convinced that the answer is yes. Now, only by the power of the Spirit, only by moment-by-moment help of Jesus, only by reaching toward a holiness that is always going to be just beyond our grasp, this side of heaven. But yes, yes, Jesus taught us to live this way because he actually meant for us to live this way. And this, I think, is why we need the saints. We need people who show us that the Christian life is actually livable, who help us imagine what faithfulness actually looks like in a messed up world. People we can look at and see, wow, that person actually lives like God is real, like Jesus meant what he said, like Jesus' death and resurrection really mattered and opened up a different kind of life, like grace is possible, like healing and peace and joy is possible, and like that person has actually tasted it and enjoyed it. I want to be a saint like that. And my life has been changed by saints like that. I've been thinking a lot lately about this Mennonite family that I grew up with. And they would take me into their home after school when my parents weren't home. And they just lived really differently. They were humble, for one, or what our passage calls meek, which is so rare that we notice it when we encounter it. And they just lived really simply and really generously. There was always room for other people at their table. And I remember being listened to at that table with such incredible patience, with such kindness. And their home, even though it was simple, was full of beauty, flowers in the garden, prints of great paintings on the wall, a stack of VHS tapes of PBS concerts from great musicians. And they didn't know they were doing anything special. They were just living an ordinary life in a saintly way. They were living as though Jesus meant what he said. And this family helped me see that the Christian life was actually livable and that it was good. I've been reflecting lately on how their quiet faithfulness, long before I encountered the Christian life myself, how it prepared me to receive the gospel as good news, how it prepared me to imagine it as livable news all those years later. And your lives of ordinary faithfulness can do that for people too. I also think of less ordinary, more extraordinary saints who shaped me. Heroes of mine like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Desmond Tutu. These people who just lived like Jesus really meant what he said about loving neighbors and loving enemies, about forgiveness and laying down your life. And these saints, too, they weren't setting out to do something flashy, something spectacular. They were just taking Jesus really seriously, as seriously as you can possibly take him, and then just faithfully doing the thing right in front of them. I read an article this week by a Catholic theologian named Terence Sweeney about how easily we can dismiss the saints as though they're just irrelevant to our lives. And he wrote this. The saints are seemingly impossible guides for living in the modern world. Francis of Assisi stripping bare in the streets. 
Augustine rejecting Roman wealth and power, Rose of Lima living a life of penance, Damien of Molokai living among the lepers, and Dorothy Day residing with the bums and advocating for a society that won't need soup kitchens. As Dorothy Day put it, don't call me a saint. I don't want to be dismissed that easily. What Day put her finger on is a deep scandal in the life of the church. To be declared a saint is to be relegated to children's books, to be petrified on a pedestal, to be treated as irrelevant to our actual lives. So let's not do that. Let's remember the saints, the ordinary ones that we light candles for on this day, and all of the extraordinary ones that we read about in books, that we encounter in the world. They are all relevant. They all show us that the Christian life, as Jesus taught it, is actually livable. And on this day that we also remember our own mortality, let's also set our short, ordinary lives toward being saints. Let's live like Jesus meant what he said. Let's find the source of our life and goodness and blessedness in God and in his kingdom and nowhere else. In a minute, we're going to sing a song that is new for us this week that Eva Elizabeth brought to me wanting to introduce. I love when the musicians do that. And it has a posture of invitation. The song is an invitation to open our hands, to acknowledge that everything good in our lives comes from God, and then to open that life in service back to God to invite God to show us how he wants to make us saints, how to live the Christian life that he has opened up for us. So I invite you as we sing uh, to do so with a posture of prayer, to ask God to open your hands and to make you a saint. Amen. <laughs> 